I must not fear. Fear is the mind killer. Fear is the little death that brings total obliteration. I will face my fear. I will permit it to pass over me and through me. And when it is gone past, I will turn the inner eye to see its path. Where fear has gone, there will be nothing. Only I will remain. Welcome to the Dune Saga Podcast. Your hosts, David, Scott, and Jim, guide you through the chronological epic story of Dune. Enjoy the conversation. Welcome to the Dune Saga Podcast. I'm David Moulton. And I am Scott Herzog. And I'm Jim Arrowwood. And we're about to dive in to a boatload of listener feedback sent in from you guys. Yes, this show is a show that's all about what you're thinking about the books that we're reading, about the show that we're doing, about the movies and things that have influenced you in the world of Dune. That's right. Now, uh, the last book that we just read was The Winds of Dune. Right. So a lot of our feedback will probably pertain to books before. Or Obviously. To, to Obviously. So. If you want to leave feedback, you can always call in 1260-577-CHAT. And that's one two six zero five seven seven two four two eight. You can obviously email it, and that's where we got a ton of feedback is through our email, mm-hmm. Podcast at gmail.com. And face and Facebook, we probably got some as well. Yeah, Facebook.com slash Dune Saga Podcast. Uh, so just a couple things before we get into it. We just want to remind you that uh, if you're enjoying the show and you'd like to help support us, we encourage you to visit our Patreon page at patreon.com slash Dune Saga Podcast. Uh, there are several levels of membership uh, subscriptions that you can do, and that really helps support us. So we did get a new member this month, and his name is – just give me a second to look it up. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, it's I, it, he. He has a feedback, so I just got to find it. Okay, of course, I'll edit it. this out sometime. Right. You know, the it. other way that you can support us while we're, while Dave is yeah. looking this up is you can leave us an iTunes review, and that always uh, puts us a little bit up there on the iTunes rankings. And some of you've done that already, but if you haven't, we would still love to have you review the show. It gives us a little bit of a thumbs up. Yeah. A little yeah. bit of attaboy. We're up in the uh, top 200 for literature. That's great. We've been there since the beginning, fluctuating in the up there, and that's really great. You know, it's out of what, like, I don't know. Hundreds, thousands. Thousand, you yeah. know? So it's really awesome. Yeah, uh, the gentleman who is new to our Patreon campaign is Peter Perra. So thank you, Peter, for becoming a member Very of good. our Patreon Siege. Yep, absolutely. So, we love having thank you, sir. Yeah. Absolutely. Another way that you can get a hold of us is through our app. You should tell and, us about the app. Yeah, so the app is the Zogpod Collective, and it houses – Primarily the Sci-Fi Diner podcast and the Dune Saga podcast, and uh, and you can call in from there, leave feedback in there, star your favorite Dune episodes, um, especially favorite the one of Jim playing the lute. Yeah, it's, it's awesome. It's, it's best, a great the episode, best one. best one so far. But. <laughs> <laughs> and it's available in uh, your and the, on every single app store that you want mm-hmm. out there. So excellent. So let's let's go ahead and jump right in. To this great stuff that you guys sent in. Jim, why don't you lead us in? Okay, this is from Chris. 
on the Dune miniseries. Hey guys, great show. Two quick thoughts. Number one, in watching the miniseries from sci-fi, it occurred to me that the casting of some of the Fremen seemed a little bit off. Nothing against the ability of the actors. I'm talking about them physically. I mean, this sounds awful. Stilgar was a little paunchy for a guy who lived his entire life in the desert, conserving water at every opportunity. In the book, there are several allusions to the water-fat newcomers and how desiccated the Fremen were as a people. Alec Newman was already slimmer than most of the troop he was joining. <laughs> uh, very true. Very true. I would agree yeah. with that statement, Chris. Yeah. Yep. Okay, number two. Yeah, the Balisette in the sci-fi Dune miniseries was a loot. Yes, I have been vindicated. Yeah. <laughs> we <Okay>. knew it. <laughs> All right. Yeah, the Balisette in sci-fi Dune miniseries was a loot. Have you seen the one from the Lynch version? It was left on the cutting room floor, but some of the extended versions have included Gurney's scene. That instrument is actually a modified Chapman stick a tapped hybrid electric bass guitar used by players like Tony Levin. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah. I've seen pictures. It, it looks pretty, pretty cool. Really Dare I ask who's t- who Tony Levin is? Uh, That's a Jim question. Jim? Yeah. Uh, I'm sorry to say, not off the top of my head. Not that I can think of right now. I'm Googling. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Google it while he, while he does the, uh, last, um, the last number three. Yeah. It says number three. I lied. The third thought, minus 100 points to Brian Herbert and Kevin Anderson for the name Blood in Paul of Dune. I mean, we couldn't come up with something that is less Hardy Boys bad guy than that. I mean, I audibly groaned while reading when we were first introduced to the character. From that point on, I thought of him as some sort of pulp pirate. Arg. I, Captain Blood. <laughs> Keep up the good work. Yeah. Well, now, let's talk about Blood. I mean, Blood is a character from way back in the in the Butler and Jihad. I mean, we have um, we have uh, the Blood character. Uh, and the, from the get-go, the Blood family has been a part of this series when you go back into the House books and the Butler and Jihad books. And so mm-hmm. him being uh, the villain here... Uh, is a long time coming, I guess, is what I'm yeah. saying. I mean, there's some books where the Bloods were positive influence. Like oh, yeah. After the um, after Earth and stuff, all the planets were radiated. Right. You know? Yeah, uh, yeah, definitely. So Tony Levin. Tony Levin, uh, of all the many teams, that he, people that he's played with, Alice Cooper is the only one that I recognized. Oh. Uh, but he's um, a big electric bassist type guy. Oh, very good. Oh, so, okay. See, I learned something new. Chris, thank you for introducing me to the basis for Alice Cooper. Yeah. Well, I'll take the next one. And Naomi Ichihara says, On the Winds of Dune, Dear David, Scott, and Jim, I really enjoyed Winds of Doom and read it quickly. I was happy to get to the delicious details on the deaths of Edric and Mohayim. Best of all, Stilgar revealed this info while he was riding a sandworm. How cool. It made me laugh when the Carino rep came to Arrakis to propose marriage between Ali and Shaddam to, quote-unquote, strengthen the empire. 
Even if marrying for name only, Shaddam would not have attempted something so stupid. Uh, perhaps more should have been written about his relationship with Fenring. It seems as though Shaddam did not get advice from his mentat or Fenring was trying to get the former emperor killed. It was not surprising the Carino rep was murdered. We didn't talk about that scene uh, in the last episode, but that was kind of funny. Yeah, like, <laughs> the proposal, and then and then she said, uh, like, no. He was like, well, there's there's daughters. They could marry the baby, the baby Leto. <laughs> you know. Yeah. Could you imagine her marrying that old goat? Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. It, was, it wouldn't. It wouldn't have mattered anyways. He was. He was. He's, he's infertile. Like he can't mm-hmm. do anything. Yeah. Still. Well, so. yeah that that marriage would have been colder than a well digger's butt in the closet. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, go on. Jim. She continues. I like the transition between part one and two of the book. The last sentence of part one said Jessica begins telling Irlan about the ended friendship of Bronzo and Paul, and I yelled, "So what's the story?" When I turned the page, I laughed as it started part two when Paul was twelve years old. During the interlude of part two, where Jessica's asked uh, Irulan, haven't you heard anything I was telling you? It seems as though I was the naive person she was talking to. I was shocked to learn Paul used jungle or techniques uh, and powers to manipulate the Imperium. I mean, I went on about how I like that as well. Yeah, absolutely. It would be nice mm-hmm. if Brian Herbert and Kevin J. Anderson wrote Irulan of Dune to follow Winds of Dune. I'd like to learn about, about uh, more about... How Irulan nurtures the baby twins, if she is still required by Alia to write only good things about Paul, and what part Irulan might play with Shaddam's hopes to regain the throne with the Gola army. Irulan, dude, that would be an interesting yeah. book. You know, excuse me, you know, it, it, it'll be interesting to see if they ever go back to that. Next time we talk with uh, Brian, yeah. we talk with Kevin, we should ask, because yeah, absolutely. You know they're hard at work at the School of Dune books, finishing that up. Yep. And then what's next? We'll yeah. see. There's there's still there's stories to be told. That's right. Yes. So Jeff Ferry on Dune in general. Uh, greetings, ge- gentlemen. My first experience with Dune was the Lynch movie when I was fairly young. One summer at the shore, I saw a paperback copy of Dune and figured, hey, I'm at the beach. It's got sand like Arrakis. What's not the love? Well, needless to say, I was hooked and bought the whole series. Now I read the first three books and love them. But when I started God Emperor, I came to a screeching halt. I didn't like the characters or the book. Sorry, David. I didn't read anything but the first book again for 10 years. Even when I returned to the series and forced myself through the final three books, I found them interesting, but I didn't love them the way that I loved the first three. While the first three books were easy reads, the last three were chore to read. I felt the tone of the series changed, and they just weren't as much fun anymore. Maybe that's just me. Well, we'll certainly see. My memory is very similar. The further it went on, the more heady the books became to me. And there were certain that appealed to a certain element of Dune followers. Mm-hmm. Certainly, mm-hmm. for sure. Yeah. For sure. Um, the first three books, man. It's, it's what, what's funny about that is he's he's, he's lumping Dune Messiah in there. And yeah. That one, that one gets a lot of hate. A lot of hate. So actually, Chris, I want to. I, I really want to ask. Not Chris. Sorry, Jared. Uh, Jeff. I can't get your name right. Uh, Jeff, uh, you know, I would love to hear 
as you look at the first three, what did you think of Dune Messiah yeah. in the middle of those three? I understand Children of Dune. I understand Dune. But Dune Messiah gets a lot of hate. Mm-hmm. And I would love to hear your thoughts on it. Yeah. Hmm. Roland says, uh, I think uh, he might like this book better if they wrote Irulan of Dune. Uh, he was notoriously against the Winds of Dune. Right, right. Even though he gave it a 10 out of 5. Got yeah. it. <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead, Jim. Yeah, before you start oh. this, Jim, let me just say, I really just went, we had the same outline of who read what, and I just kind of re-put put new ones in. It's the same order as last, last month. But somehow you wound up getting the really long one again. (laughs) (laughs) Good luck. Well, I'll tell you what. Just give me a a sign if you want to stop and talk about something. Because as you say, it looks like it looks like they're numbered. So maybe you can read the introduction and then the numbers, and then we'll stop. We'll stop after the introduction. Stop after the numbers. Okay. Yeah, this is a big one, and I believe it's pronounced Kolia Dimic. Um. Pardon my American accent. Right. Says, hello, Jim, Scott, and David. Greetings from Cologne, Germany. Let me start by telling you that I quite enjoy your podcast as it is entertaining at best of times. As usually one tends to write emails to podcasts or writes or when one has something to criticize, as is the case here, uh, but to ease the going forward in this email, I would like to comment on the good things I like about your podcast. First and foremost, I think that the sound quality is very good, and even the interview episode with Brian Herbert was not too bad, something which can easily happen when one uses phone or Skype to record an interview, which I am quite aware of as I am also a podcaster for a German podcast about Doctor Who. And not every time all the participants can be in the studio. Therefore, good sound quality. I like it. You also had a plan going through the Dune Saga in chronological order, and you are sticking to it, even if that will pop up later in one of the points I have to bring up. Oh, and the structure. One cast for the content of the upcoming book, a review cast about the book, and another cast about the fallout. But anyway, coming to the points I would like to make, I group them somehow by topic, even if some might have implications on others. I'm sorry if some of the points might have been discussed in later podcasts. I have now finished the feedback podcast about the miniseries, and will delve into your Dune Messiah cast soon. Okay. So we're, well, we're glad that he's enjoying it. Yeah. 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 What are we going to say, okay. David? Well, yeah. Thanks, thanks for criticizing us. No, no, yeah. <laughs> we, we realize Button that down, the, the people kidding. people are going to have different opinions about yeah. what we do. So I'm looking forward to hearing what he says, and yeah. maybe, uh, you know, if they were doing it, maybe you do it a little bit differently. That's just the way it, it is. Yeah. So yeah. All right. All right. Number Go one, ahead, Jim. the the David Lynch movie Dune. I can totally understand how someone might not like this movie, or rather, see all its inadequacies. I saw it in the theater here in Germany when it came out, and it brought me to buy the novel of the film, and I haven't looked back since. Revisiting the movie myself, I saw where it failed, but I also realized what Lynch tried to accomplish. The movie's standout features are, of course, the sets, the casting, mostly, and the costumes. 
While listening to your review, I couldn't place my finger on what was bothering me about it, but over time I realized what was wrong, or rather, quote, wrong. You mentioned the critical points, weirding modules, Harkonnens, and you made it perfectly clear that you didn't like how Lynch made that movie out of the book. I'm really oversimplifying your cast here, but just to make a point, so stick with me. But it was never really a review. At least never a fair one, and it took me the last cast, I assume that means podcast, I listened to to finally understand why. You are not familiar with Lynch and his movies, or rather you are not familiar with his typical way of making movies. Of course, his movies sometimes are hard to understand, and you really need some key to get into them. But that is just because he uses a certain vocabulary. Put in other words, if you hire Lynch to make a film, you will get a Lynch movie. Lynch never intended to make a film version of Dune. He made his own version of Dune, using his unique way of movies. The Harkonnens are evil ones, so they should make you feel disturbed. Same for other things. But the most important part was something you basically left out, and you also left out of the review of the miniseries. What was it that made Lynch interesting in the movie, interested in the movie? What was it he wanted to present? And the answer is quite simple. He was definitely not interested in the gritty reality of guerrilla warfare, something which the miniseries presented splendidly and the political struggles between the houses. He was into the religious and philosophical aspects, so that was what he put center stage into this movie. Not a desert power, but the sleeper. Especially after the miniseries review, I was really disappointed that you did not point out what is probably the most important difference between the two versions. Of course, both had parts of the other film in them, but looking at this main feature of each movie-slash-series and combining it with the respective instruments of the filmmakers was something I had somehow expected from you. Even if I repeat myself here, you really should have informed yourself better about Lynch and what to expect from a Lynch movie before reviewing it. The way you did it, sadly, was just three guys talking about a movie they had just seen. Oh, and one other thing, of which also came up during the listener feedback by some of the people writing in, Lynch did not separate himself from the movie per se. He is quite open about criticizing its weaknesses, especially considering that he did not have the final cut. But the version he wanted to be separated from was the extended version, or rather the extended version as they are now several of them. All right, so let's talk a little bit about this. Okay. okay. Um, you know, I I do agree. The whole Lynch thing and him separating himself, I did hear it was about the extended version. Somewhere along the way, I'd read that or something. Maybe we didn't make that real clear. Um, but uh, that I, I heard that as well, and I agree. You know, I guess his argument is that truly to appreciate this movie the Lynch movie, you had to fully understand Lynch's style of storytelling. Mm. And so from that perspective, I, I agree with him. But we're looking at it through the eyes of Dune. 
and through the story of Dune and saying, how well did that carry out in our opinion? And, and in our opinion, it just didn't do quite as much as we were hoping it would. Mm-hmm. It's pro, it probably is an excellent example of Lynch storytelling. No doubt. Yeah. But it's not, it, it, but it didn't carry out for me. It didn't carry out the Dune saga quite like we were hoping it to. Right. This could have been one of those situations where, uh, looking back, we could have maybe done a Let's Talk Dune episode with some sort of Lynch aficionado to talk about right. how this movie compares to other Lynch films. Right. Um, I am not familiar with other uh, Lynch's other works. No, uh, me neither. I mean, uh, first, come first, to Netflix, I'll watch it when it gets right, there. Right, right. Uh, yeah. Jim, your, your thoughts on what he was saying? I will happily admit that I am not familiar with Lynch's style of making movies. Um, now, as you guys recall, I like this movie better than the two of you did and better mm-hmm. than a whole lot of people did. Um, but, uh, I, I can, I can relate to the statement that he made where he said that he was not making Dune into Frank Herbert's vision, but he was making the movie in his vision. Yeah. And I can appreciate that. I mean that's the same way if you if you watch Hodorowski's Dune same way <laughs> that's, like, what, that's what he was doing yeah. he was making his own version of what of what he thought it was which is way different and Frank didn't seem to really care yeah I mean it, I mean it, maybe in Jodorowsky's he did but it, with Lynch it was obviously he didn't care he, he endorsed the movie he liked the movie mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. so but yeah it, Coley I'd like I'd like to say you gave me something to think about yeah absolutely I like when he says mm-hmm. you're just three guys that saw a movie. Uh, we, kind of, we kind of are three <laughs> We are, and we're looking, but again, we're looking through the lens of we're looking through the lens of what we've read and uh, our understanding of the universe, and, so, and interpreting that we are interpreting it as someone that likes Lynch films or or understands Lynch films. We're looking at how well does this interpret the story. So obviously, we're going to come from a different perspective. And perhaps uh, for someone that's into the whole movie world and and and, and Lynch world is going to be is going to look at this movie quite differently than I know, I know that I will just because I'm again unfamiliar with a lot of other Lynch's works and I don't have a com- point comparison. Yeah. But I would mm-hmm. a- a- any 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 director I'd probably be the same way. Yeah. Yeah. I I, I again you made a good point. Something to think about. Uh, should the opportunity ever arrive uh, and I meet someone. Or I'm pointing in the direction of a uh, some sort of someone involved with Lynch or something that would want to talk about it. Definitely, yeah. Out. And I also want to apologize that he, I am um, unfortunately, I'm not familiar with the name. So if you're a lady, I apologize. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Um, go ahead, Jim. And think, let's move on to a second point. I think Colia is a, is a male name. Okay. Yeah. Uh, all right. Uh, reading order. This is number two. As mentioned above, I applaud you on your decision to stick with the reading order as you chose before starting this project. But once you reached Dune, the problems of this choice became apparent. And for people enjoying the original series more than the Herbert Anderson novels, it sometimes bordered on physical pain. By reading the novels in chronological order, the way you see the saga unfold has implications on how you assess the original books. I'd rather use another example to make my point more clear. 
especially since going this route makes the argument slightly more objective. The original three Star Wars movies were followed years later by three so-called prequels, Fan which films. were mostly yeah, <laughs> which were mostly inferior by considered inferior by people who watched the original three movies. What happened? People watching episodes four through six, and then afterwards one through three more or less had the opinion that the movies were inferior and devaluate a lot of what happens in parts four through six. Especially, it changed the overall story in that originally it was a story of Luke Skywalker, and now it turned into the saga of Darth Vader. The focus shifted and was one of the points, or I would guess the the main point, why people did not like episodes one through three. It tried to change how they saw the movies, and let's be honest, how they were originally intended. Now, on the other hand, there are people who watch them in a different order, one through six. For them, the whole story, the saga of Darth Vader, made sense because they, by starting with the newer movies, the story was put into their heads where the original movies four through six had to be adapted to fit the story given to them by one through three. Their perception changed. One can easily see that both ways of seeing the saga are true, as it just depends on the order one watches them. The point I am trying to make is, of course, you are doing the same to yourself by reading the novels in the way you do. Your story did not start with Dune. It started long before, and therefore, Dune has to somehow be seen differently to fit the overall story made up by Anderson and Herbert. Why I am discussing this in such detail? Well, most people criticizing the new books do this from a viewing standpoint of having the 4 through 6 equivalent in Dune first, and they see what they have regard as an amazingly good and deep book being devalued by 1 through 3. Their arguments come from this perspective, while your counter-argument, or sometimes just rebuttal, comes from 1 through 6, put short. But the overall story is great. Yes, for 1 through 6, readers it might be, but it really lessens the amazing impact of only 4 through 6 has, and it is coming from the space opera viewpoint of the prequels. Yes, after listening to a large number of podcasts, every listener should know how you see the overall saga. That is not what they are arguing against. As with my Lynch part above, they are just expected, or they just expect more from you regarding these original books, especially that you as reviewers take the one book that is central to the whole saga as the Bible of Dune. Nothing in this book should be re-evaluated by something which was written quite some time later by totally different authors. Everything you discuss and review should always have this huge, non-changing block of stone in the middle. Everything should revolve around it. It, it should not be changed by something which one listener called, as friendly as he could, I guess, spin-off, and another, not as friendly, as fan fiction. This is what four to six people expect, and sadly, you have never really deeply addressed this argument. By just saying, yeah, 
but that is how we decided to, on an order to read that, you totally negate any argument from coming from that side which leaves listeners like me at the best of times only slightly unhappy. All right, then. Okay. So, uh, David, thoughts? Okay. Well, um, I 100% understand <sighs> this point of view. Um, and my response uh, may sound like his just saying, yeah, but that's how we decided to do it and negating him. But I want to say the reasons behind the, the, the reason that I presented this project to Scott and Jim in this fashion was because I had already read um, almost all of the books at this point, And I read them in uh, publication order. So I had experienced them in the way that he refers to as uh, correct. However, my curiosity as to what it would be like to experience the long saga of Dune in a chronological sense um, was really what appealed to me. Now, a lot of people can read the Dune series in publication order, but when you look out there, uh, to look for things. And if there was at the time, you know, I wasn't hundred percent sure there wasn't another podcast out there. Even if there was, I wanted to do something different. And, um, I think it's no short stance to say this is a controversial way of looking at the series. I mean, you, you kind of pointed it out yourself. And then that, um, is part of the reason why I wanted to do it. it and, to be honest, it's partially a marketing tool um, to get people interested in hearing more about why. Why do they want to tune in? Well, we're doing something different. I, I mean, I get your I get your argument that it's lessening the original books. Um, I think that you. I think it's a different viewpoint depending on how you experience it. But in each way, you're still experiencing it. You know. I- I want to say that I agree with you, but there, there's no doubt that me, like, so I'd read Dune. It was like, what, 20, 20 plus years ago, and I'd forgotten a lot of the stories. I mean, I was familiar with the miniseries. And I think I might have at one time read Children of Dune, but that was my extent of the Dune experience. So reading it this way, there was no doubt when I got to the Bible of Dune, you know, the book itself, Dune, that my perception was colored by all the prequels and my understanding of the characters and they were the, the way they were shaped and molded in my mind were influenced by the six books we had read prior to it. Mm-hmm. There's no doubt. And, um, and that is going to be different, as you said, than someone who read the Dune books, the Dune books first fell in love with the series and then went back and tried to read you know, Kevin G. Anderson and Brian Herbert and tried to make them fit into the universe. And it didn't fit quite as nicely because you had this story that you already loved and it felt like they were cheapening it because it was different writers and, and they were telling the story in a little bit different way. And, uh, and so I understand that. And so you just need to know that. 
And I understand, too, the pain that you must be feeling when we go from Dune into Paul of Dune, Dune. <laughs> Dune Messiah, into Winds of Dune, and now back to Children of Dune. I mean, I understand that because you're like, oh, let's just get with the original material already. Um and so I, I understand that. And it's the way we've chosen to do that. And I, you know, I know that won't maybe make every Dune, uh, fanatic happy, but uh, we're glad that you're writing in and you're, you're at least, uh, listening to us and interacting with us and giving us your comments on this. Jim, did you have anything you wanted to say regarding what he had to say? Yeah. Uh, the first time I read Dune was in the mid eighties, right after the movie came out. Uh, I read, all of the Dune novels by Frank Herbert uh, in their order, and I appreciated them. But I have to say, reading them the way we are now has given me an even greater appreciation for Frank Herbert's work. Mm -hmm. That being said, I can certainly understand where his point that he's getting a, he's a little bit irritated maybe a lot irritated, that we are just putting Dune into the mix rather than holding it up on a pedestal as something special by itself. Um, I don't know. I just, I, I don't have a problem reading the books in these, in, in the order we are. Uh, as I say, it makes me appreciate Frank Herbert's work much more. I'd hope that, that doing it this way would enrich the already very um, colorful characters that Frank Herbert gives us. And to me, it has done that. Like I, I like reading through them so far, what we had, I have had such much, so much more of it, like an appreciation for these mm -hmm. characters. And uh, I think it's so cool when, when Frank mentions this like small little thing that when you would read Dune, you would just kind of like, gloss over oh they just mentioned this little tiny like person in the background or a war or whatever and it's like ah we know like how heavy that sentence is right because we know what happened we know the backstory yeah like to me that adds so much excitement um mm -hmm. so it made dune richer it made dune richer now i'm not you don't have to read it this way uh, for sure but i think that it's an experience for sure to yeah do. absolutely but no, no doubt that it's a different experience than the oh, people absolutely. that you know fell in love with four, four through six, right? Right, right. absolutely. Yeah. Well, Jim, so we move on. Okay, Colia's point number three: Paul leaving his home world before the events of Dune. But this brings me to the main point of any critique by what I called four to six readers. What is in some way totally unacceptable is when something being written nowadays totally ignores or rather contradicts something being written in The Stone. Writing that Paul left his home world, Caladan, before the events of Dune is at best lazy writing. Of course, Anderson and Herbert wanted to tell a compelling story. If they succeeded in that, I leave open for discussion. But the ramifications of this point are just terrible. By blatantly contradicting something which is stated in Dune, the stone, the following happens. For the four to six readers, it is just an unacceptable contradiction which smells of lazy writing. For the one to six readers, it means that 
the stone is lying to them, or rather, Irulan is not telling the truth. But that's okay for them. That's why they are reading the books. And now it becomes more problematic for the four to six readers, as some people have the assumption that part of the true book, Dune, is false. So contrasting opinions, which lead to the ultimate blasphemy in the Dune book universe, Anderson and Herbert wrote the truth, while Herbert wrote a lie. Of course, four to six readers are appalled by this, and they are at best just disappointed in you as reviewers, or just answer this problem with, well, that's the way we read these books. Sorry, but this is basically a cop-out. The main point of criticism regarding the newer books is the way in which the authors seem to ignore parts of the original novel, or the stone, which they can work with in order to tell a compelling story, at least from their point of view. You are shoving this valid criticism aside, and then you say that the remaining arguments are not worth discussing as they are attacking the authors. If you really want to discuss the criticism, you just cannot push aside the most valid one and only talk about the minor ones. For the four to six readers, Irulan might be making parts of Paul's story bigger, but she is not lying. Her parts of Dune are quite important for the overall story, for the philosophy, for the understanding of Paul. The problem lies not with Dune, it lies with Paul of Dune. The four to six readers probably expected more from you than just, well, yeah, maybe it's a little bit, but hey, what a great story. Okay, I'm going to come out and say he didn't listen to our Dune Messiah review yet, which we address. The, he is talking about the fact that um, many people are saying that Irulan states in one of her opening quotes that Paul never left uh, the planet of Caldan until he went to Arrakis. Um, and <clears throat> something that Frank Herbert says in Dune Messiah he has the characters point out, Paul addresses it, is that Irulan stretches the truth or blatantly creates uh, stories that make him look better. So he Paul refers to her, her stories as lies himself. So that's vindication for the fact that these things don't match up 100%. And also in vindication for the way, for... Uh you know, Kevin J and Brian, you know, uh, writing the story, writing Irulan like they've written her as being someone that is, is, is someone that is, is meant to spin the truth, mm -hmm. is meant to, to spin the truth. And this would not be, uh, totally out of line, at least with our understanding of like Bronzo and even Paul's view of himself in Dune Messiah of, this image that Paul is lifted up to in Dune, in Dune Messiah, he's working at tearing down, and especially when you get him as a preacher in in Children of Dune. Right. Yeah, I mean, so I get what you're saying, and this is an argument that I, we've seen a couple times, and I've heard my own personal conversations with people, is that um, they, they come back to this specific thing. But Dune Messiah proves that it's uh, quite okay. I mean, it's, it, he, you know... In saying that what Irulan says is not always 100% the truth, 
then that allows that open gateway to uh, change that fact. And I guess maybe the flip side of this is do we allow the stories and the characters to change over time? And are we, are we like, so for, for them, they're looking at this thing, the, the, the text that we held, that we held as being written in stone. We are arguing and saying that is now because we can't trust Irlan, some of what Irlan says can have a little bit of doubt cast on that. Um, as being 100% absolute truth because she is the propaganda machine of the new empire. Mm-hmm. Um, is that, is that a bad thing? Uh, does that, is it bad for us to look at Irulan in a slightly different light? And I'm not certain that it is, mm-hmm. but I don't True. know. Jim, your thoughts on this? Uh, I, I really don't have anything to add, guys. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. <sighs> I don't think I have anything more to add either. Yeah, I think, I think we covered it. <laughs> yeah. Okay, number four, bad reviews. Oh, and while we're talking about criticism, I believe your choice of bad reviews is just wrong. You usually pick the really bad, bad ones, where the writers are mostly just letting off steam, and by doing this you get around having to argue against the real critical arguments. Very rarely do you pick bad reviews. Yes, it does happen, where one can argue against. Picking an Anderson and Herbert are terrible writers, and I hate them, review, you don't do yourself a favor. You pick reviews which are so dumb that you can just stand there, point to yourself, and say, well, no real arguments, we must be right, while basically actively ignoring quite valid counter-arguments at the more-than-one-star reviews level. Thankfully, this usually shorts itself out in the listener feedback, or excuse me, sorts itself out in the listener feedback podcast, but I would propose not to choose between the one-star reviews if there is a two- or three-star review which has valid points. Hmm. This is my domain, mostly. It is. Except for last episode. It's your domain. uh, When Scott did it. Um, and in picking the reviews for this episode, I had read this email earlier and that came to mind and I, I, I kept it in mind and, and picking them. However, in the past, when looking at things like this, we want something to discuss and, um, in a bad review, unfortunately, you almost have to go to the worst and worst reviews to really get something worth reading. Because the midsection reviews that I found, now the, granted, there's thousands of them, and I don't have time to read all of them, read all of them in detail. Um, but um, a lot of what I've seen on Goodreads, uh, when you get to the two and three star, the people are just like, yeah, you know, it's just kind of like a meh kind of thing where they they don't really give any any points to talk about. The people giving the points are the people who are upset. Right. Um, I mean. And granted, I am more than willing to talk about the ones that are that give it a higher rating with with whatever. Uh, just it's very it's more difficult to do that. So it, it kind of comes down to a um, a time thing, quite frankly. And maybe where we're pulling them from. I mean, we're pulling them from Goodreads. There right. are obviously other sites that have critiqued these books that we. Uh, I mean, maybe could pull some more uh, medium reviews in, but right. Uh, plus, uh, plus, some of them are just kind of funny. Yeah, and I mean that's I mean yeah. that's just the reality. We're pulling it in for a little bit of humor, and you know, when we review the books, we're reviewing 
our personal encounter with the books and and how we feel about the stories of them and and um we're looking for people maybe that haven't always maybe haven't necessarily enjoyed them in that way mm-hmm. thoughts jim well for me at least and i'm sure it is for the two of you this is a labor of love absolutely um, absolutely and and i am enjoying the books i am enjoying the order we're reading them them in and um i i you know i i'm sorry that that he has these points to pick with us but you know uh this is what our show is this is what we do we have a blast doing it and and i think our listeners enjoy it uh, overall overall. Yeah, overall and and to say this yeah. he 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 is he's obviously listening with us and so he's pretty he's just bringing out a different side and i think that it's important to know that not everyone's going to necessarily like maybe the way that we've chosen to approach this and yeah. maybe even some of the format and that's okay that we aren't we aren't necessarily trying to be all things to all men here right hey this is yeah. a long email talking about criticism of us if we weren't listening to what people had to say and cared about what they had to say we wouldn't be reading it. One. Absolutely, and we definitely wouldn't be reading it on the show and addressing yeah, these absolutely. things, these things yeah. publicly. So we just want you know we you know we do we do value it. Yeah, if you yeah. got yeah. something and, to say negative, please do. Yeah, and, and I think there's one more I'm, point. Yeah. Well, I, I I have one thing to add. Go ahead. Um, I am not any kind of a literary reviewer. I <laughs> myself. I'm a music teacher by trade. Give that man a lute and he's good to go. Yeah. Absolutely. And <laughs> so, you know, I I I don't know. <laughs> there it is. There it is. Right. I agree. Yeah, we're becoming reviewers of this genre by doing this. Yeah. So and and our audience is growing with us, not size-wise, but like uh experience-wise as we grow in experience yeah. and that's how yeah. uh our opinions are shaped by that. So Yeah, absolutely. All right, number five, knowing the background is better. One of the main arguments you make regarding why someone should read the books in chronological order is that this way one gets more background information and therefore especially reading Dune is easier. I wholeheartedly disagree with you. First and foremost, all the so-called background information is basically made up not by the author of the original Dune, therefore giving a background which might have been thought about by the original author, but nevertheless it was not published by him. Therefore, it gives the characters a background which they should not have when reading Dune and the following books. Or else Frank Herbert would have given the respective backgrounds while writing his novels. I also disagree with you that it is hard to follow Dune if one does not have enough background information. I might be wrong here, but Dune became the sci-fi bestseller without any of the background, so all the readers of Dune somehow survived reading the book, and it seems even enjoyed it without any more background than is already in in that book. I find the notion somewhat disturbing that nowadays it seems that most people cannot enjoy something without knowing everything about it. Part of reading and enjoying Dune is that you don't know everything. The parts you don't know are as mesmerizing as the parts you do know. In my opinion, knowing too much about something takes away from the wonder of reading about it. Again, I am not arguing against you reading in that order, 
even if I would never, I even, excuse me, even if I would never do it like that as it really takes away from the original books, but as you progress, I was expecting you to be a little bit more self-aware of what this does to the way one takes in the whole saga, and especially talk a little bit more, at least those of you who have read the original series ones first, about the positive and negative aspects of choosing this reading order. I just realized that it is that this email did get a little bit longer than I expected, and I hope I put my... Oh, well, that was his closing point, so... Right. So uh, I guess talk about number five. Okay. Sure. Sure. Do you want to go first, Scott? Uh, well, um, again, you know, uh, as far as background information, for me, for me personally... I'm not saying that everyone needs to read all the background information before they read Dune. And he's right. Dune was a bestseller before. And there is a sense when there's unanswered questions. I, I, I go back, for example, to the X-Files, the TV show. Let me compare it to that. There were points along the journey of me watching the series of the X-Files. There were questions. They would drop something in and not answer it for like five, like five episodes or even five scenes and sometimes didn't answer and the unknown made great discussion points. And so I agree that when they mention, when they mention like the Butler and Jihad, but you don't know anything about it, that there's a sense of mystery. Like, well, what did it, what did bring humanity to this and probably elicited a lot of great discussions in book, in in book groups and people that were discussing Frank Herbert at the time. But I did enjoy the rich background that Brian, that Brian Herbert and Kevin G. Anderson brought to us. And for me, that enriched a story, um, quite a big deal. And, and, you know, in, our, in us talking with Brian Herbert, in us talking and, and doing the reading, they, they're basing these books off of notes in many cases that that Frank Herbert left. And so even though he didn't publish them in the original story and maybe he did not even have an intention of publishing them, there was a backstory given mm-hmm. to, to this. A lot of which is of course, even in the Dune encyclopedia. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I'm not quite sure what you said. I, I think you might've misunderstood uh, the comment that you need this information. Um, when we were saying that he might have thought we were referring to, you need this information for Dune. Um, you don't need this information for Dune. Absolutely not. What, what you need all this background information, all the prequel books for, is for uh, Hunters of Dune and Sandworms of Dune, the two books that end the series. And uh, they don't make, they will not make sense if you haven't read all of the prequels. And so that's. That's what that's what we mean when you you need them to make sense. You need the prequels to understand the sequels. You don't need the prequels to understand the core. The core, yeah. No, I mean it, it, we're saying that it enriches it for us personally, but it's not needed for the core. Yeah. So just to be clear on that fact, there. Yeah. Uh, anything to add, Jim? I yes. First of all, I don't ever recall us saying that anybody should read these books in any particular order. What we said was, if you're going to follow along with our show, you should probably read along with us. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, absolutely. As we go along. 
And so we're, tre- we're, we're treating people. We're treating. I'm sorry. I just jumped over you, Jim, here. But we're treating. That's okay. We're treating people that are that we're assuming that people have come along this journey with us the whole way. Mm-hmm. And so we're looking at it through that perspective. And if we would have started with the original Dune first, that would have given us a different perspective. We looked at that through a different lens, but because we're looking at it through the lens that we've chosen to look at it, that's influencing, you know, kind of how this journey plays out. And that's inevitable. I mean, and I think that's part of what he's saying is the way we've chosen to read it. This has influenced the way we're interpreting these books. And there's no doubt about that. No doubt about that. I don't disagree with you at all in your points. Um, But I, do agree with you that you uh, that 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 you do not need to read the prequels to understand Dune, obviously. But. And and I agree with that also. But it's fun. Yep, it's fun. Yeah. It's yeah. fun that you know. So I I I definitely uh, agree and disagree. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Uh, to close this one out, um, I just realized that this email did get a little bit longer than I expected, and I hope I put my arguments down to virtual paper as clearly as possible, which is always a daunting task if one doesn't write in his mother tongue. I'm not closing saying, keep on doing what you are doing, but I'd rather hope you change slightly from, whoa, what a great saga overall, to, yeah, it's a good read, But here's what a critical reader might argue. Anyway, it's interesting listening to you and hearing your opinions, even if one differs. Take care and stay alive. Awesome. Yeah. Well, again, we do appreciate you writing in and taking the time. I mean, he took the time to craft that long uh, podcast, a long email, and that's awesome. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Thanks. That was well thought out. Yeah, yeah, definitely, and, definitely, and, and and your English is not bad at all. No, no. very well done. <laughs> so for the stay alive part makes you wonder if there's a secret threat in here somewhere. Yeah, oh, <laughs> I'm coming yeah, for you. Yeah. <laughs> Try and Watch stay out alive. for my Chris knife. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. yeah. Oh, David, go ahead. Okay, so the next uh, feedback comes from Peter Para on the Dune Saga podcast. This is question: What is the next book on your reading list? Well, Peter, the next book on our list is Children of Dune, after which we will follow with the miniseries Children of Dune for December's uh, homework or whatever you want to call it. Yeah, it is. And then we'll start back up with uh, God Emperor of Dune in January. Now, is he talking about what's on our next on our reading list personally beyond Dune, or is he talking about regarding oh, you know, different he, way of viewing that question? Clarify. He didn't. He didn't. He didn't clarify. Okay. I can tell you that I am reading Robert Jordan's Wheel of Time series. I think I am in book a ten or eleven, and I'm thoroughly enjoying it. And then I'm also reading a book on running since okay. I am a runner, and I'm enjoying that as well. Okay, uh, Jim, how about you? What what's uh on your parallel reading list? Um, you would ask me when I don't have my Kindle. Uh, well, after <laughs> after Ch- Children of Dune, I was uh, emailed by an author in Italy who asked me to read a new sci-fi book of his and write him a review. So uh, that would be next on my list. 
Nice. And you can always find those reviews at Jim's Sci-Fi blog. Yeah. At blogspot.com. For me, I'm currently in the middle of reading The Law of Superheroes, which is a book about uh, two lawyers wrote um, about how our law would change if uh, certain fictional characters were real and, uh, you know, how that would pertain to actual law. Right. Uh, It's like reading a textbook. So it's, you know, I read a little (laughs) bit and I take a break. Uh, And I'm also reading... Vo- the volume six of the library edition of Hellboy, or volume five. Sorry, that's on my list for this month. Awesome. So very good. There we go. Well, Bill Colossa writes uh, about Dune. Says, "Dear Dune Saga podcast, as requested, here's the info on the single voice Dune unabridged audiobook narrated by Scott Brick, produced in 2003, and may have been published as a library only edition. Nevertheless, even libraries discard material, so you can buy it used on Amazon." Now, let me tell you, you can buy it used on Amazon if you're willing to spend $265.76 or get it used from (laughs) $365.39. So, yes, you can buy it on Amazon if you want. But, no, uh, so it is available. And, um, you know, and he had sent a picture somewhere. I saw a picture somewhere that he had posted that it showed the Scott Brick. Uh, signature that he had narrated this. Um, I just didn't see it in Audible. Maybe I'll have to look around Audible. You'd think Audible would have something like this, but yeah, yeah I guess not. Yeah. Uh, he also had a little bit more here. Yeah, he says, I'd be also interested to see what you guys think of the Dune customizable card game. See, and then there was a, uh, there's a link there, and I'm opening it right now to look at it. Actually, it just took me to the other link. I must have the other. Oh, um, see about buying some decks and playing a few games. May the spice be with you, Bill from Ann Arbor, Michigan. Yeah, we could do like uh, like those. Um, uh, what's that? What's that one uh, gaming uh, channel that they can watch you play the game? Oh yeah, yeah. So yeah we like could do that. Play, yeah, yeah. Let's play. Yeah, yeah. That's interesting. You know, I, I, th- that would be fun to do. I should see what I can do about finding that. I know I'd like to try and get somebody to talk about the video games too. Yeah, and that would be that'd be kind of fun. I yeah. don't know if we have any uh, we can tap on any of the old creators or not, but yeah, yeah. Um, but anyways, thanks for writing and really appreciate it. Any uh, thoughts on what what he said, Jim? Nah, not for me. Okay, and then let's move on. Okay, Jim Ross on God Emperor of Dune and slash author bios. Hey, David. God Emperor of Dune is my favorite Dune novel. Why do you describe it as the black sheep of the series? I'm not offended, just curious. Okay, it is all about you. Yeah, so this is from my bio on our website. I, I state that uh, being the, even though it's the black sheep of the series, it's my favorite. Uh, the reason I call God Emperor of Dune the black sheep is if you ask uh, many people, uh, even I think it was earlier in one of our reviews, uh, you say uh, you, the, where they stopped, it's always God Emperor of Dune. You know, I couldn't get through it. It was too wordy or it wasn't interesting or it was boring. So I call it the black sheep because of all of the Frank Herbert books. Um, people might have bad things to say about Dune Messiah, Generally, I haven't heard people stop reading because of Dune Messiah. You know what I mean? They get to God Emperor of Dune, and that's where they make the choice to end their journey with the series. It'll be interesting to see what happens when we get there, what people's opinions are when we read that uh, in three months or whatever. But it, uh, 
I love that book. So by calling it the black sheep, I am certainly not uh, trying to de- devaluate it. I'm just trying to be, uh, be realistic of other people's views. So there you go. There you go. So moving on, uh, Dottie Gilbert on Dune and General. General. Greetings all. Great podcast. I've enjoyed reading the Dune books along with your podcast, and I've enjoyed them immensely. I started reading the Dune novels in elementary school, a bit over my head at the time, and I've always kept them in the pantheon of books that I read on a regular basis. I have also read the Brian Herbert and Kevin J. Anderson books and was actually surprised at how much I liked them. Way back when, I was looking around uh, in Walden Books, long out of business, right now, and came across this tape of an interview with Frank Herbert and David Lynch discussing the movie, plus Frank's extended commentary of his idea and philosophy regarding the Dune books and his political and personal feelings on life in general. This interview was done at the time he was writing Chapter House Dune. I lost this tape over the years, but since listening to the podcast, remember that it was out there. At last I found it. Highly recommend that you gentlemen listen to this interview with Frank Herbert. I think you will find some of your opinions might be changed by what he has to say, or at least make some of some more of his ideas more clear to you as you continue this immense project of reading and enjoying these books by all the authors involved. It would also be interesting to hear the opinions of your listeners as they discover this hidden treasure as well. My best to all of you, more at a later time, Donnie Gilbert. And then he links me to the audio of this. Uh, I'm going to check that out. And uh, yeah. hopefully maybe we can do some sort of something on it. Yeah, I'm sure. Because uh, that sounds pretty interesting. I think it's probably right up uh, Jim's alley. So, mm-hmm. I mean, we'll yeah. see. I mean, it is probably like a 20 minutes on, uh, you know, what the uh, ballast set really looks like. Right. Exactly. <laughs> that, that, that's my guess. <laughs> yeah. All right, uh, and I believe I have the next one here. So the next one is, is this. This is from Roland, who is in the chat room, and we're glad that Roland has joined us tonight. By the way, he made the comment that God Emperor Dune can't be any worse than Winds of Dune. <laughs> <laughs> so anyways, hi, David, Scott, and Jim. Obviously, this book was a lot like Paul of Dune, and I found it just as disappointing. That's his true feelings, despite what we said earlier. <laughs> While this book wasn't as confusing as Paul of Dune, I felt its storyline were less important. It answered some questions I had, but not as many as Paula Dune did, and it felt longer than it needed to be. I don't like how they tried to connect the flashbacks with Jessica telling stories. Clearly, what we read wasn't what Jessica told in her stories, as she wouldn't refer to herself in the third person, and probably wouldn't speak in such detail. It felt like a weak attempt to connect the disjointed chapters. I also don't like how these two books, Winds of Dune and Paula Dune, have ruined our attempt to read the overall story of Dune chronologically. If I were attempted this again sometime in the future, I would read the flashback chapters of these books where they occur chronological. Therefore, the order would be House Series, Chapters 2, 4, and 6 of Paul of Dune, Chapter 2 of Winds of Dune, Dune, Chapters 1, 3, and 4, and 7 of Paul of Dune, Chapter 4, Winds of Dune, Dune Messiah, Chapters 1, 3, and 4, Winds of Dune, Children of Dune. Uh, what a mess. However, I think this would work because of the weak connection between the flashbacks and chapters and the non-flashback chapters of these two books. Personally, I'm not sad they stopped writing the House of Dune series. I give this book a 2 out of 5 
definitely the lowest score of all the books we've read so far. I probably wouldn't have finished this book if it wasn't for this podcast. Oh yeah, you know what? I I do like. I just think it's kind of fun that he took the time to go back and break it by chapter, <laughs> like saying, "Well, if we read it this way, yeah, uh, <laughs> it's it's funny that you do that." There are people who who've made a uh, like a, what is it? Is it Road to Dune or well, Road book, to Dune? Is, is, that's the one that's about Frank. Right? Yes, there's one. I think that includes some short stories in it. Yeah, and there are some people who look at the chronological order and have put those short stories where they're supposed to be uh, and if you really 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 read it chronologically you're supposed to read them uh, and split these books up like, and we haven't like done it <laughs> no. that's kind of fun but he doesn't want a third book so uh no, no not at all. he doesn't <laughs> i'm disappointed because i think throne of dune would be i mean i I guess I just really like Leto. Yeah, that's right. You just want more Leto. That's it. Yeah. And more Leto. Uh, do you have your thoughts on what Roland said? Yeah. <laughs> uh, that <laughs> Wow. That sounds like a tag team match going on in the order he wants to read things. <laughs> <laughs> Can you imagine doing that in this podcast? Who, who gets out with yeah. the belt? Who, who leaves with the belt? The championship belt, yeah. And yeah. The the guy with the ballast. Who else? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. That Jim. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Uh, you remember that? You remember the what was it? The Billy Gunn come on. Oh, you didn't know, and he smashed the guitar. I can smash a ballast. <laughs> oh, I bet you can. I bet you can. <laughs> um. Oh, let's see. Uh, I think. I don't know. I I don't mind the flashback thing. I kind of enjoy it, actually. However, in this most recent book we read, The Winds of Dune, it, I have to agree, it felt awkward. I understand the whole part about, you know, Jessica speaking like, I would never be like, you know, Scott doesn't like this. Scott doesn't like when Jim plays the ballast. It drives him nuts. You know, you know I, I would never you would never speak of yourself in the third person. And so I understand that part. Um, but at the same time, it would be very odd for her to be writing it in the first person telling that backstory as well. Yeah. And I think maybe the issue here is that we have the trope of Jessica telling the story, period. Yeah. Uh, you know, I that's what I liked about it. That it, it made the purpose for it. I didn't feel like Dune, a ball of Dune had a, a reason for the flashbacks. Yeah. Uh, but Roland just chimed in here. What do you say? He said, I wouldn't mind. He's clarifying his stance. I wouldn't mind after reading the throne of Dune. Now that I realize it might wrap up some storylines from the winds of Dune. Okay. And so uh, maybe, but whether we get it or not, it's a whole nother issue. Yeah. But, yeah. yeah. It's hard. Uh, it's hard to say. Yeah. So Jim, let's move on. Sure. will. Paul Stella on the Dune saga podcast. Have our brave podcasters thought about tackling another book series after Dune? I think The Dark Tower would be interesting for you three to cast your pods about. Ooh, our yeah. pods, our pods. We haven't, we have talked at least casually about doing another series. Mm -hmm. At least, I think, I, yeah. I, Jim, are you on board for that? Oh, yes. Yeah, so it's and it's a question of what we haven't really. I mean, we aren't that close to the end here yet. We still have quite at least another year, probably, of doing Dune Saga. Yeah, and uh, after that, who knows? Yeah. Um, um, if if we had to choose today, yeah, what series would you choose, David? 
without consulting either of us. If I had to say we're going to read this right now. Right. Uh, I would probably say the Inheritance series because I really want to read it again. I don't even know what that series is. Uh, you know the story Aragon, the book Aragon? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, four, it's called The Inheritance. There's four of them. Uh, and I really liked it the first time I read it, and I'd like to read it again. Yeah. My fallback would probably be uh, the Sword of Truth series. The Terry Good kind. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. That would be interesting. Yeah. That, that would be a long read, though. But. Yeah. <laughs> I'm kind of curious uh, uh, to our, our listeners, what – what would you want to hear? Would you want to hear like a show that just went through series after series after series or um, just like Some individual books? books? Yeah. I mean, yeah, that'd be kind of interesting too. Yeah. Maybe. So let us know, listeners, on that. Jim, if you had to choose right now, what series would you pay? Um, how to, how to say, play the loot 101? Yes, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> I would say probably Asimov's Foundation. Hey, I am so with you on that. I was, oh, that was mine. Really? Yeah, let's start back at Caves of Steel. Start back at iRobot when you first encounter the robots, and then go to Caves of Steel and take it all back into the uh, all 20 books in the series. That could be awesome. Yeah. And I haven't read the, any the, of them. I haven't the one thing it. that I would They're look all on my shelf right to. over here. What was that, Jim? The one thing I would look forward to, though, in if we continued this endeavor would be to be looking at something I've never seen before. Okay. Yeah. That would be uh, kind of fun. So we'd have to pick a series that we didn't, we, we haven't read, but maybe are somewhat familiar with. Yeah. Yeah. That's why I'm enjoying so much reading what we are reading now, the the Herbert Anderson books. Yeah. 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 Well, it's something for future discussion. We've got a year to figure it out. Or we could read yeah. through... You know, the Terry Brooks saga. Yeah. Of the sort of Shannara, the entire like 20, 30 books that are in it. Well, Roland, Roland just said in the, in the chat, he wishes that we could just read Winds of Dune over and over and over. Yeah. Again. Yeah. In fact, he's saying it. <laughs> he, he said, he said, he said, uh, sort of truth series. Let's, let's do that. that yeah. He's, he's a big fan of sort of truth. Yeah. Not so much. <laughs> no, no. Not so much. <laughs> um, anyways, uh, <sighs> Dark Towers would be interesting too. I've never read any of them. Yeah, I haven't. I haven't read it so. either. So, oh, I, I read them all. It's awesome. Uh-huh. <laughs> okay. Yeah, it's just, uh, and if we do that, we have to get Wayne Henderson in on this too. <laughs> okay. All right. All right. He is yeah, a he huge Dark Tower fan. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, and uh, John Towers talking about towers. Uh, Dude Messiah says, guys, I think Paul left. Let Mohayim land on Dune so Stilgar would sort of defy him and kill her. Thoughts? So he so he intentionally allowed her to land knowing somehow the Stilgar would take care of her. He forced her to land. I mean, he yeah. brought her to the planet. You know, that could be because he did say that Stilgar, you're going to have to turn against me at some point. Didn't he tell him that? So, so are you suggesting, David, that he planted the idea in Stilgar to do this? I don't think he planted the idea. I think he, in a way, was warning him of the fact and kind of giving him permission to do it. Because he didn't actually kill her until um, Alia ordered the, the death of her, which was against Paul's wishes that she would stay alive. And so Alia ordered it, but it was against what Paul had said. And he chose to do it knowing that it was against what Paul wanted. 
Do you think Paul saw that in his prescient vision? Yeah, either that or he just knew that Stilgar at some point would do that. Was going to have to break his uh, following. Jim, uh, it's a it's a plausible theory. Yeah, it is. It's interesting. Thank John. Thank you for uh, kind of making us think here a little bit. Jim, you want to read uh, Alex Blackburn? Okay, he says on the Dune Saga podcast. <clears throat> been through a desert on a worm with no oh. Been through a desert on a worm with no name. It felt good to at last get a new cast. What took so long? <laughs> <laughs> well, generally our schedule is about a month between record times for reading. Uh, and we do that and we record live. So you're welcome to join us there. And then it, it's usually within a week that we then get um, the show released on iTunes yep. uh, for the public. So if you're listening through iTunes, it's it's about a month to month for book reviews. Uh, and sometimes when that's delayed a little bit, it's because Brighton Dune of 10 takes a lot of effort. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, and generally I, I'm finishing the book around when, before we're, we're recording anyway. Five minutes so, before. And yeah, then he's like, like yeah, here we yeah, go. Yeah. <laughs> I, I start reading the day of, and I'm just kidding. So <laughs> it just takes him so long to get through it. No? <laughs> so I'm glad that you're anxious for more content. Uh, that's always exciting to hear. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I'm glad to get it out there for you, but that's why our schedule is the way it is. Yep. So welcome to bad reviews. Boys. David. <laughs> yeah. Bad reviews. All right, let's jump in. I've got three uh, mid-level reviews. I'll try and bust these out here for you. Jill Marquette rated it two out of five stars. She says, this is the only of these in-between Dune books I've read and wasn't impressed. If the authors couldn't rest any actual story out of this time period, then they should have left what it, what it, they should have left it as what it was. Interesting backstory. The story arc felt weak, the ending bland, and I'm still trying to figure out who the antagonist was. The array of characters presented a lot of old friends, but nobody had anything interesting to say. I like these authors and what they've done in other books, but this just bo this book just felt like a money grab by people running out of ideas. Hey, look, this one's more constructive criticism. It is. I want to actually talk a little bit about what she said. Um, the idea of there being no prominent antagonist, I kind of agree with, yeah. but uh, I, I, maybe you can even argue that Paul himself, because he puts Bronzo up to what he's doing, is his own antagonist here. Yeah. Um, I mean, they're obviously the the sister, the sisterhood, the uh, the, the Bene Gesserits. They're they're kind of antagonistic at one point. You Saddam at one point. Uh, but they're not real big central antagonists. You know, Aaliyah's maybe has her own, it's kind of her own antagonist. I mean, so we have some of that. I view it as Aaliyah's the uh, antagonist. And then whenever you're dealing with Aaliyah's story, Bronza's the antagonist. So it, depends. it just pretends what perspective you're right. dealing with at a specific yep. time. So they're just all antagonizing each other. Yeah, yeah. they are. They are. Yeah. Um, and I guess maybe that makes it complex and maybe uh, that's what they're not liking here. I don't know. The the story arc feeling weak. I mean, 
we, David, you and I love this novel. Uh, a gem, not so much. Roland uh, really didn't like this at all. I mean, uh, I understand that this book isn't isn't connecting with everyone. Right. I get that the storyline being weak thing, because not like a whole ton happens. To me, it wasn't about any type of end goal in this book. It was about discovering these missing pieces. Right. So that's why I enjoyed it. Yeah. But I agree. I mean, this, there isn't much story here. Yeah. yeah. I mean, if, if you're, if that's what makes a good book for you, then yeah, you're not going to like yeah. it. Yeah. So his next review is by Jim Arrowwood. Yeah. No, I'm just kidding. Jim Arrowwood. <laughs> yeah. no. But they did rate it two out of five stars. And Jim, the guy's name is Jim says, I'm guess yeah. I'm not a fan of books that tell stories between books to put it another way. The book read like a big flashback and I've never been a fan uh, the ret- of the retcon flashbacks. Perhaps had I read this in order, I might have liked it more. I doubt it because I'm not exactly sure the familiar characters behaved in the way they should. But well, we liked it when we read it in order. That's true. But mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't have anything to say about that one. You, I, you know, there's a reason why I hadn't read this book before, and it was be- or Paul of Dune, and it's because they came in between books and my view was if i'm going to read these two books i kind of want to read the book that comes before it first so that i remember what's going on with these characters and then i read it and then i can read the next book and kind of see them grow more so i agree i wouldn't have i mean i had these sitting on my shelves and i hadn't read them for the exact reason that he Mm. said he didn't enjoy them and we have one more by casey Casey rated it one of five stars. I think this marks the point of time when I'm officially done with the Dune series. I read the majority of the prequels and in-between sequels, and I felt rather tortured by The Winds of Dune. At least in the early prequels, there was room to be creative, but that's impossible for a book which already has multiple sequels after it. All the characters are weak, characters of their former selves. Jessica and Alia are barely recognizable. All wisdom and cunning has flown out the window. Jessica's turmoils in this book are laughable. Everything is so simple and sort of logic cunning. Uh, any, I'm sorry, any sort of logic cunning wisdom she once possessed are gone. Everything she does is for love. I get the fact that what made Jessica different was that she was able to feel love. However, that doesn't mean her intellect needs to go out of the window. Gurney's driveling towards Jessica is rather disgusting. Alias betrayed in a strange way. She is known as slowly succumbing to madness, yet she and Jessica's relationship is very much like mother and daughter, when they never really acted that way before. The plot is weak and very stretched out. Secondary to the love theme oozing everywhere, Bronzo of Ix is publishing manuscripts of slant to slander Paul. There's a section that describes the relationship Paul and Bronzo had, which completely skips over the majority of their far-flying intergalactic journeys to just a few pages. Rather, rather, page time is given to worried parents, which is not interesting. Everything reads very juvenile. Any sort of scream is instant. Any sort of scheme is instantly uncovered in about two paragraphs, except for the main one with Bronzo, of course. There's no intrigue and no missteps. Overall, I was bored and unimpressed. Also, why is Duncan Idaho so unlikable? Jim, thoughts? <laughs> um. I'd say that that Paul of Dune, Winds of Dune, are very much transitional material, and and that's kind of the way these books read. Yeah, definitely. 
they they yeah. leave they leave me wanting more. Okay. Um I don't know. I characters are going to evolve, they're going to grow and they're going to go different directions. Um I don't think I have to agree though that Jessica's character is not as rich in this incarnation. Um I keep expecting her and Gurney to wind up in bed together. <laughs> uh, I, you know, that that seems to be kind of the direction it's going and it that should not be. I wonder I wonder about that and wonder if the way Gurney's acting is because he feels terrible for the way he treated her in Dune itself. Well, I wonder if it's almost, I mean, it's not the same thing, but a, um, what do they call that? Uh, when you get a life cap- debt, you're, you're captive and you fall in love with your captors. Oh yeah. But she's not captive, but no, but the he's in Munich service. Yeah. or something like that. Yeah. yeah exactly. He's indebted to her for, I mean, he's service in service to her. So when that admiration's turned to love now that he's on a more equal basis with her. Yeah, maybe, you know, in the first time in reading the, the series, like, uh, I kind of thought that in uh, Children of Dune, I thought that that there was they seemed more close than right than what. And then I remember also kind of thinking, well, like, is there something going on with her and Stilgar, which was addressed in Dune? You know, she turned him down. But and the comment about why is Duncan Idaho always so unlikable? I agree that if you look just at Dune, and maybe at some of these books. For me, Duncan Idaho through the house books, though, awesome. extremely likable. I awesome. love Duncan Idaho, Idaho in those books. He doesn't come off with the greatest personality in these books. Yeah. Well, he's a bit of a fish out of water. Yeah. Also, he's Duncan, a Duncan also, he's Idaho is not Duncan Idaho anymore. Yeah. He's hate. He, yeah. He, he's, a, he's a Gola. Duncan Idaho is supposed to be dead. Yeah. Well, I think when you, I mean, that's something that they try and drive home. He's still, he is Duncan Idaho. But he's not the same Duncan Idaho because he's a merged version of Duncan and hate put yeah. together. And he's also exactly. a mentat, which the yeah, makes re- your personality totally different. Yeah, absolutely. So, mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, what do you think of the whole uh, Jessica and Aaliyah relationship that they bring up? Do you think that was overdone? Like, I didn't sense it. I thought that Jessica was maybe trying to be a mother, but Aaliyah was having none of it. Well, I think it's a, it's a, you see it a little bit. How do I say this? Because having read Children of Dune, it's a point that comes up. Mm. It's a struggle between the two of them, and Alia wants a mother, but she she also whenever Jessica reaches out to her, she's like, "Oh, I could, why should I need you now?" Right? Like she gets all upset about it. So it's like, but then Jessica doesn't know how to be a mother to this daughter that she almost doesn't see as a daughter because she's pre-born right how, how different she was you know she never had that mother-daughter connection because right off the bat this kid's talking like a full-grown adult it's a struggle that you see i think in some of the other books too that this little girl has not had the chance to be a little girl right period. right yeah mm-hmm. so i don't think it was overplayed i think it was just enough to give you like the the shadowing of the, the of the struggle that they both face yeah absolutely uh, 
Anyway. Well, I believe that's about it. That about wraps it up. Yeah. Hey, before we go, I do want to say we did a discussion. If there is, if you're still with us and you're still listening to the podcast, we would love to hear your thoughts about what what series we should do next. And uh, we we would love to hear suggestions. If you have a really good series you think you, that you think would elicit some great discussion. Yeah. Or maybe if you think we should do a singular book rather than just a series. We can do single books for a while, too. That would also right. be interesting. Yeah, absolutely. I'd love to hear that. Um, as always, you can email us at dunesagapodcast at gmail.com. Yeah, we're on Twitter, Dunesaga Podcast, Facebook, yeah. the Dunesaga Podcast. Yeah, that's right. And uh, so please email us, send us your stuff in. Um, you know, if you want to f- keep track of the podcast and other things that uh, uh, podcasts going on, you can check out the Zogpod Podcast on, or sorry, the Zogpod Collective on all your uh, app stores. Yep, and uh, and it'll keep you up to date as what's going on. Yeah. So once again for the Dune Saga Podcast, I'm David Moulton. I am Scott Herzog. And I'm Jim Arrowwood. And may Shai Halud clear the path before you. <laughs>